This is the Big Church Podcast. Amen. Okay, worship. How are y'all feeling? Amen. Y'all, it is so, so amazing just to be in the house of the Lord. So amazing. Um, So for those of you guys that don't know who I am, my name is Ashley. I'm one of the worship pastors here, and I am incredibly honored to be speaking to you this morning. Who has enjoyed this sermon series? I think we can do like a little bit better than that. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna ask one more time, so just prepare. Who has enjoyed this sermon series? Yes, going deeper has been so great. And I don't know about you guys, but I just love taking a step back into the fundamentals um, because sometimes we can forget those. Um, This series has opened my eyes to like new revelations that I think the Lord has been wanting to show me. And just to kind of recap, Pastor Rich has done a phenomenal job at opening up this sermon series. The first week, he talked about growing up and maturing in your relationship with the Lord and that you should never stay stagnant but always be growing. And then last week, he gave a fire, fire message about reading the word and studying the word and hiding it in your heart and the importance of that. But this morning... I'm going to be talking to you guys about going deeper in worship. Imagine that. Yes, yes. But I don't think it's going to be what you guys think it's going to be. You hear me? So I say that because I'm actually not going to be jumping straight into talking about worship. Hold on. Stay with me. Stay with me, okay? Because before we talk about worship... We have to understand the position and the perspective that's necessary for everyone to truly step into worship. And I'm going to give you guys an example of someone in the Bible that really opens up our eyes and shows us how to worship. So if you guys stay with me in my super roundabout way of teaching, I promise that if you let him, the Lord is going to move. Y'all care if I pray? I was going to pray anyway, so doesn't matter. Jesus, we thank you so much that you're here, that you're already moving. God, I pray that you just speak through me, that none of the words that I say are my own, but they're yours and only yours. God, I pray that you open up hearts and you open up ears, Lord, for whatever it is that you have uh, people to hear. I don't know the stories of the people that have walked into this house, God, but they're not here on accident. So, Lord, just just bless this entire room. Bless the people online that are hearing. We love you, and we honor you, and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all. The title of my message this morning is Don't Miss It. Amen. It's going to be so, I'm so excited, guys. Like, you guys don't understand. Okay? I'm going to take you back to one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. Now, I have a question. Who has their Bibles? Raise them up. Oh my gosh, I see people trying to dig for them. It's totally fine if they glow. It's 2021, that's okay. It's fine if they glow. 
So the story that we're about to go into, I mean, this is a story that has changed me, it shaped me, it's convicted me, hello. This is a story about Paul and Silas. And for, God, for those who like don't know me, um, you should know that like Paul, he is my guy, okay? Like second to Jesus, okay? He is my guy. I love this story because Paul and Silas, they witnessed this incredible miracle in the most unlikely place, prison. So I'm gonna give you guys some context before we get into the main scripture because I am who I am. And I want you guys to fully understand why they are in prison. So I'm gonna paraphrase for you guys, but feel free to follow along. We're gonna start in Acts chapter 16, verse 19. So basically there's this young girl and she's probably around 12, 13, definitely in the preteen phase of her life, but she is possessed by a demon. Um, and because of that, she's able to tell fortunes. And Paul and Silas are just like entering this city to go to this house of prayer, all right? So this girl that's possessed by the demon starts trolling them. Um, have you guys seen that like on social media? Have you, do you guys know what that is, trolling them? That's what she's doing. Um, so she starts proclaiming like these men are the most, like these men serve the most high God because even the demons know who God is, right? All right. And because of this, I mean, Paul is annoyed, okay? He's done. He is done with this, okay? So he just, you know, kind of super chill, turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, flee. And the demon flees. Wouldn't you just like to do that? Like, if you're having a bad, in the name of Jesus, flee. Like, phenomenal, okay? Now this girl is owned by a slave owner, okay? Who's using her to profit off of the fact that she can tell fortunes. So when Paul casts this demon out, the slave owner becomes mad. Why? Well, because he just lost his main source of income. So the slave owner does the most reasonable thing um, and starts a mob, uh, starts a mob to go after Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the rulers. And the first thing that they said, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. These men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. I find it interesting that the first thing they do is attack his race. I'm sure that's never happened before. Just look at what's going on today. The enemy has no new tricks, y'all. No new tricks. And then after that, they rip off their clothes, literally strip them naked, and then the rulers gave the order to have them beaten with rods, okay? And then they threw them into the prison. Now, this is not, this is not an ordinary prison, okay? It is what's called a prison within a prison. There is no getting out, okay? It's probably the most secured part of the prison. Think of solitary confinement. Like, you will not see daylight, okay? They're not getting out. And then on top of that, they fasten their feet to stocks. Yikes. And you thought you were having a bad day. <laughs> Do you guys know what stocks are? Well, welcome to my history class. Um, so basically, they were fastened to, by their feet to a large piece of wood with cords, and stocks were usually quite long. So the space between their feet was pretty considerable. So as they were fastened to these stocks, 
it might have been necessary for comfortability's sake for them to lay on their backs. Now, think this thought with me. It was definitely freezing in the prison. Never saw sunlight. They were 100% still naked. And because of the stalks, for comfortability's sake, they have to lay on their backs. But weren't they just beaten? And I say this because I want you guys to understand, and I think it's important for you to understand that their suffering was great. But instead of whining and complaining, they chose to do something else. They chose to worship. They chose to worship. And y'all, they're literally being punished for doing the right thing. And I think most of the time, most of the time, if we're self-aware and if we're honest with ourselves, we'll start to notice that when we face opposition, it's because of us. No? Okay, so you have a financial struggle. Well, are you spending more than you're making? Do you have relationship issues? Are you being selfish? Do you struggle with anxiety? Are you taking your thoughts captive? Are you starting to realize that maybe your friends aren't confiding in you anymore? Well, are you gossiping? And I'm not saying this is all the time because sometimes there are horrible situations that we're in that we have no control over. But if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we're in messes because we put ourselves in those messes. So with that being said, what did Paul and Silas do wrong to end up in prison? Absolutely nothing, I know. I know, they were 100% in the will of God and they are still in this mess. And I don't really know where we got this like entitled notion that if we follow Jesus, we'll never face trouble. I mean, talk about messing up your theology. Like, if you're down with this, everything's gonna be a-okay if you're following Jesus and this watered-down prosperity gospel, this message, I hope, steps on your toes. Following Jesus and being in God's will doesn't mean you will not be in a horrible situation. Persecution is real. People die for their faith every single day. And because me and you we don't face that same cost, which is our life, we can become desensitized to the gospel. And that's how the prosperity gospel, this watered down gospel, that's how that's born, is because we forget the power of the gospel. That's the most detrimental thing you can do as a Christian, is forget the power of the gospel. I mean, Jesus literally said, in this world, you will have trouble. It was promised. And you guys, you guys wanna know my favorite thing about Paul? Y'all, he's so funny. He's so funny. All right, so like Paul encounters so many troubles as he's following Jesus that my guy out here just makes a list. Man after my own heart, I love that. I mean, y'all ever read 2 Corinthians? So I love it because when some people are having a bad day, they go to like, promises in the Bible, like look up some Proverbs, makes me feel good, but not me, not me. I go to Paul's worst moments. I go to Paul's worst moments and I think to myself, well, I'm doing all right. 
All right. Well, we're going to read it because I want you guys to really see this. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and it's going to start in verse 24. And it says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Why minus one? Why not say 39? Well, people usually died at 40. And when they're whipping them, they're using the cat of nine tails, which is the same thing that Jesus was whipped with. And at the end of every lash, and think this thought, like the lashes were leather and they're usually braided. So they're super tight and super small. And at the end of them, you could probably find like a metal ball or a piece of bone and it's gonna embed itself in the flesh. So when they're ripping it off, it's gonna rip the flesh off. And I'm not trying to be graphic, but I'm trying to be graphic so you guys understand that you understand his suffering because they didn't do this to him one time, two times, three times, four times. They did, they did it to him five times. Five times they brought Paul on the brink of death. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Now listen to me. Listen to me. I really struggle with this one because I've seen Jaws way too many times. <laughs> Lord, take me now, you know. I ain't doing it. It's a no for me. Um, verse 26, it says, I have constantly been on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Give your life to Jesus, they said. It'll be easy. Just because you're not where you want to be does not mean you're not where you are supposed to be. Don't miss those moments. Don't miss the opportunities that you could have to make an impact. And for those of you guys that, that know me pretty well, know that in college, like, I was the camp counselor, okay? I was the camp counselor. I'm talking Chacos. I'm talking Chaco tan line. I'm talking flannels. I'm talking bandanas. I'm talking face paint, okay? I'm talking, did I say Chacos? All right? But wasn't always like that. Because my, my first training at Spring Hill Camps was absolutely awful. I hated it. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to go home immediately. Like, I had poison ivy all over my face because that happens to me. Our cabin uh, was infested with June bugs, and I don't know if you guys have ever met a June bug. <laughs> um, I mean, wow, okay? They're a very interesting insect because I'm pretty sure they're nocturnal. I don't know if you guys have looked that up or researched, but I think that they are. Um, just from my experience. And so when we were trying to sleep, these June bugs would just, you know, think it, it, it was the time to just like land on our face. And they're super loud, so you know they're coming. <laughs> they land on your face. So we're up all night playing whack-a-mole, like trying to like get these bugs off of us. And I don't know if you guys missed this part, but I said cabin. Okay, I'm talking no AC. And I may be from Spencer County, but that's not the life for me, okay? Also, I was in St. Paul, Michigan. 
I don't know what's there. I'm pretty sure the only thing that's there is the camp. I have literally never been that far away from home. And in the past, when I, ever, when I got this flustered, my respect for authority just kind of just went out the window. So I made a call to my mom, uh, who's sitting right there. Super, super sweet lady. Uh, called my mom, and I said, listen here, Melissa. I need you to get in your car, and I need you to come get me. I can't do this anymore. You better believe that was the last time I called my mom by the name of Melissa. And she said, she said to me the sweetest thing. She said no. Um, and you know, the fourth day there, I had kind of somewhat gotten to a routine of things, okay? So I went into the bathroom to have my afternoon cry. And uh, the Lord spoke. And first of all, I was like, whoa, <laughs> it's a little personal. This is me time. <laughs> and then the Lord said, okay, haven't you heard? The Lord is with you wherever you go. And I said, touche. <laughs> so after me and the Lord had a little laugh about that, he said, he said to me, and this is the very first time in my life I heard the audible voice of God. And he said to me, don't miss it. You see, I didn't want to be there, but I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to look like a dork all summer to make kids laugh. I was supposed to encounter this beautiful little girl named Sam who didn't know the love of a father, and I was supposed to lead her to salvation. I was supposed to be a part of the revival that took place on my team that summer. I was supposed to meet these people that would be my best friends, even to this day. I was supposed to see children discover Jesus for the first time. And just let me, real quick, let me explain this. Watching children discover Jesus is the most special thing I have ever seen. I have ever seen. So if you guys aren't already doing this, I just wanna challenge you. This has no relation to what I'm talking about. Um, if you are not already, every day doesn't have to be long or elaborate or anything like that. Pray for that ministry, okay? Because they are the ones that they're gonna change the world. I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to be there. Even though starting out, I didn't wanna be. So as we move into our main scripture, and you guys can follow along, whether in your Bibles or on the screen, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34. And it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. 
And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And y'all, I know, I know we can praise God in church. I just saw it. We're really good at it. I know we can praise God in church, but can we praise him in chains? And sometimes I think to myself, you know, is the reason I'm not seeing miracles is because I'm whining instead of worshiping. We all have a reason to whine, but we have way more reason to worship. And I think that's what Paul and Silas are trying to show us here, because even when life sucks, and sometimes life sucks, but God is still good. They're showing us that it's always the right time to worship. And you guys want to know a fun fact? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you've never heard it before. Fun fact. No one's life has ever been improved by whining, okay? Just is what it is. Like, you'll never hear this testimony, okay? Like, you guys... Life is just so hard, so rough, really going through it. But when I started whining, that's when I started winning. <laughs> like, you'll never hear that. You'll never hear that. You know what you will hear, though? Worship has changed my perspective. Worship has softened my heart. Worship has brought me closer to Jesus. Worship has sparked a fire in me. You see, when we worship, our worship goes up and God's power comes down. And that brings me to my first point. Worship is your weapon. Whatever you're going through, worship your way through it. Look what happens when we do that. Verse 26, and suddenly, say suddenly. You know something is about to go down in the Bible when you hear the word suddenly and immediately. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Worship unlocks God's divine power. Worship lets the enemy know, hey, I'm not going down without a fight. Worship reminds us of his promise even while we're in pain. And I remember this one time where I have never been more humbled and convicted in my entire life about worship. And this also happened at camp training. Come to think of it, the Lord did a lot of meeting me at this training. It was a big stretching period of my life. I just had like a sour attitude, okay? I did not want to be there. And at this training, there were worship sessions like every other night, all right? And y'all, I'd seen worship before, sure. I had led worship before, but not like this. It was different. And you know when worship is just different? Worship was going in, okay? We had these people, they were on their faces, and I was like, okay, cool. And then these people were shouting, and they were dancing. And I'm over here in the middle like, what are you guys high on? And they're over here like, ain't no high like the most high, you know? I was just so frustrated. Like, have you guys ever been so frustrated that your thoughts accidentally started coming out of your mouth? 
Well, this happened to me, um, and before I even realize it, this thought that I think's a thought, but it's not a thought because it's coming out of my mouth, um, and I say something kind of along the lines of this. This is really weird. What is going on? And um, I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that. If you guys have, you know, walked into church, I don't know, maybe this church, um, and because the worship looked a little different, you went ahead and categorized it as weird. Just sit on that one. I was judging them because I'd never experienced this type of worship before. And there was this woman standing next to me because apparently I don't know how to whisper. Um, she was standing next to me. Super true. I don't know why you guys are laughing. That's true. I don't whisper. She was standing next to me. She puts her hand on my back so I'd have to look her in the eye because when people do that, when people come up to you and like put their hand on their back, you automatically, who's touching me? So I looked at her and she just, she looked at me and she said, you have no idea what they have gone through, what they have walked through, and what they have battled through to be able to worship as freely as they are. And then she said, but someday you will. The Lord had the last laugh on that one because, yeah. She was not condemning. She was gentle in her corrections, and that's how I knew that the Lord was speaking through her. Why? Well, because it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. So I repented in that moment because I realized how judgmental I was being about someone else's worship instead of addressing the bitterness in my heart because I didn't want to be there. I couldn't change my situation. But you know what I could change? My response. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18, I'll see if they, it says rejoice only when things are easy. I'm just kidding. It says rejoice always. It's a, it's a bold word, always. It's a convicting word, always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So my question, do you want to be in the will of God? Your answer should be a yes. Do you want to be in the will of God? We'll try it one more time. Do you want to be in the will of God? Okay. So what do we need to do? First, rejoice always. Second, Pray without ceasing. Three, third, third, third. Not three, th third. Give thanks in every circumstance. Not only the circumstances that benefit you. Every circumstance. All three of these things are worship. And you want to know something. I really want to get us all out of the mindset that worship is singing a song. No. Worship is not karaoke. There have been plenty of times where I've stood on a platform and I've sang a worship song, but I was not worshiping. 
Or we do this one, which is my personal favorite. Did you hear what worship played at big church this morning? Yeah. You know, I didn't really like the song, so I just felt like my worship was hindered. Calm down, Susan. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. Your ability to worship is not contingent upon the fact whether or not you like the worship set. That's not a thing. We have to get out of the mindset because it's not about a song, it's about a savior. It's not about a pretty melody. It's about your position and your perspective. And once your worship is positioned in surrender, and your perspective is that God is good in every circumstance, that he is worthy, that he's holy, and that he reigns over every part of your life, only then, and I say only then, can you enter into true worship. We also need to remember that our worship is not just for us. And that brings me to my second point. Worship is your witness. God is not the only one watching. Verse 25, it says, the prisoners were listening to them. Of course they were. It's midnight and you have these two hooligans who won't shut up. And you know it was loud, too. Like, Paul just doesn't seem like the type of chill guy that's like, how great. Come on. Come on, Silas. He's our God. Come on. A little louder. Sing with He's not that type of guy. He's loud. Like, you know he's loud, okay? I've done my fair share of studying on Paul. That he has no chill. No chill. You know it was loud. You know this man doesn't whisper worship, okay? So Paul and Silas and all these prisoners, they're all in the same circumstance, Right? But where some prisoners might have chosen to whine or complain, Paul and Silas were over here doing their thing and worshiping. And do you guys know what prison meant in this culture? It meant death. It meant imminent death. So not only were they in pain, but they were facing death. And you know, sometimes the pain is there to remind us of the promise because whenever you're not where you want to be, whenever things suck and you are still choosing to worship, that's when people notice. That's when people will watch. In fact, they're more likely to watch because it's easy to worship God when things are going right. But the test and the anointing come when you worship while you're in pain. This is a witness to people. And in verse 27, it says, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. I feel like this is jumping the gun a little bit. Like, why was he about to kill himself? Well, because once the Romans realized that the prisoners had escaped on the jailer's watch, they probably would have tortured and killed him. But who knows Roman culture more than anyone? Paul. What does he do? He stays. Do you know what worship does? Worship gives you compassion for your enemies. Why? Well, because in your worship, you're never more like Jesus. You are never more like Jesus. 
In verse 28, it says, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Notice how it says we, not I, because worship changed the whole atmosphere in the prison. And it doesn't even stop there. It says in verse 29, and the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And this is how I know that our God is a God that restores family. Because it wasn't just the jailer that was saved, it was his entire family. So because Paul and Silas decided that instead of whining and complaining, which they had every right to do, they chose to worship. And because of that, this jailer and his entire family were saved. And hear me on this because I think this might be hard to swallow. Sometimes what we go through is not about us. Paul and Silas, they were a catalyst for this amazing miracle, but it wasn't for them. If I was in the same situation as Paul and Silas, and there was an earthquake, and the foundations were shaken, and my chains were broken, y'all say less, I'm gone, okay? Peace out. I'll take that blessing, and I'll get the heck out of Dodge. But they stayed. And I know in the past, when I've gone through hard times, the first thing I do, the very first thing I do, I start throwing out accusations. God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? I thought you loved me. Why haven't you shown up? And he's just like, I'm here. I've been here. I've walked with you every step. Sis, my name's literally Emmanuel, God with us. I'm here. But you have to invite me in. Maybe instead of praying for God to get you out of your situation, you need to start inviting God into your situation. If you want worship to be your weapon, if you want worship to be your witness, you have to invite him in. Because maybe your true worship, your true unhindered worship is what God is waiting for so that he can do what you've been praying for. And if you guys would go ahead and stand as we close. If you haven't already invited Jesus into your heart, I do truly believe that today is that day for you. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And if that's you this morning, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. And we just ask that you fill it out and that you take it to our welcome bar. Because we care about your next steps. We care about your next steps. We wanna help you follow through. And for those of you that are watching online and you've decided to give your life to Jesus, there's a link in the comments and we just ask that you click on that. And if there's anyone in here anyone at all that wants to take the challenge and go deeper in worship, then take that step. In this next song, I want you to flood the altars 
because the prayer team is ready to pray with you and I'm ready to pray with you. And if you feel the Holy Spirit urging you to come forward, I promise you, it's not Satan. He would never encourage you to do something that you were born for. And I'm gonna tell you guys what God told me in the bathroom at camp. Don't miss it. Stop worrying about what your neighbor thinks. There's nothing weird about going deeper in your worship. You were literally created for it. And worship, it looks different for everyone. So don't let the enemy deceive you into thinking what you're doing and how you're worshiping is weird or it's strange, it's not. Maybe for some of you, it's lifting your hands and surrender. Maybe for some of you, it's kneeling because that's the position of humility. Maybe for some of you, it's just simply closing your eyes and focusing in on his presence because worshiping Jesus is just that. It is between you and him. It's just between you and him. And if you are kind of saying, well, I really don't feel like it today, that's okay. Do it anyway. Stop putting so much weight on your feelings. Worship is a prophetic action. It's a prophetic action. There's a lot of times where I don't feel like lifting my hands, but I do it anyway. Why? Because the Bible tells me to. Just do it and the rest will follow. The Lord will meet you. Did you guys know that in all of us, there's this desire to worship something. And in the past, you know, maybe it's been your bank account. Maybe it's been social media. Maybe it's been your accolades. Maybe it's been what people think about you. And this is what I love about the Lord because the Lord intricately wove that desire within every single one of us knowing that he could be the only one to fulfill it. And even when all hell is breaking loose and you don't know left from right, up from down, and you feel like you're drowning and you can't catch your next breath, even when it hurts like hell, he is still worthy of your worship. Why? Well, because this man died for us. This man rose up out of the grave for us. This man canceled out hell for us. This man made a spot for us in heaven. He is worthy of your worship. And I just wanna ask you this question. If, if he doesn't do another single thing for you, will those things be enough? He is worthy of your worship. So Jesus, we just come to you. We come to you in humility, Lord, and surrender and not surrender because we've lost, but because you have already won the battle for us. You've won it all, Lord. Lord, I pray that you, you shift the atmosphere in here. And if there's people in here that still need that little, that push to come to the altar, to take that step of faith because it's, it's the step of faith that activates miracles. 
If they need that extra step, God, I pray that you just gently take their hand and lead them to the altar. I pray that you lead them to the prayer team. God, I just see so many people running to your open arms as, your, as the heavenly father that you are, Lord. I pray that in this moment, our worship is unhindered. I pray that we blow the roof off of this place with our worship, God, because you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.